0: It ain't the left side for the right side. And it must be the fin
1: side. Fin side. It ain't the left side
0: or the right, right
1: side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Side and Network and FinFanatic.com. We are, gosh, 45 and a half hours away from the NFL draft. And we're going to run through the entire gamut here tonight. We're going to do a one-round dueling mock across the entire NFL. And we're going to do our top 25 board for the Dolphins, specifically at pick 102 and 125. And in addition to that, we're going to talk about players we like and dislike more than the Consensus And we're going to do also a Dolphins seven-round mock. We're also going to answer your questions there in chat. Paul's going to be manning that. But I guess we'll lead it off, Paul. It's been a different uh, draft season for us. You know, usually we're talking about players, about how, you know, do we take them in the first round? Do we take them in the second round? Do we take them in the third round? It's not the case this year because the Dolphins traded for Tyree Kill. So it's been kind of a... (laughs) Frustrating draft season for me from that respect. But the Dolphins do have Tyreek Hill. So do yeah, you have and, any, re- any regrets?
0: No. Uh, Miami's done a really good job of drafting in the third, fourth, fifth round in particular over the past several years. And yeah, I mean, are, are we missing a couple of guys at the top? Sure. But we got freaking Tyreek Hill. Like, and sitting here doing this exercise, you can add weapons. Like, you can absolutely add weapons. And I fully expect Chris Greer to pick before pick 102. That's I've said that all throughout this process, and I firmly believe it. It's something that we've seen him move around like crazy before. And you know what? For our listeners out there that know us – this, this, this draft season got you to not only do one mock draft on this show, but we're doing two mock drafts on this show.
1: Yes, we are. We're saving it all for the end because, uh, thank God, I did not have to see so many mock draft machines this year. No offense, Dolphins fans, but uh, when I ask how the weather's doing and you send me your 14-pick your mock draft with 19 trade downs, um, it kind of turned me off a little bit in previous seasons, even though, you know, I like I like the mock draft machines now Captain
0: Light. Before we dive in, somebody actually brought something up in chat that I've actually mulled myself, even though probably
1: a mock draft, right? No,
0: no, 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 no. Actually it's it's uh they brought up the thought that Mike Gasicki could potentially get traded when we hit draft day. What do you think?
1: Um I haven't heard any talk about that at all. It's not completely out of the question, I'd say. I mean, uh if you think about it, just from from a roster standpoint, I mean, look, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waller are going to be on the field all the time, and they also signed Cedric Wilson to seven million a year, which is it's not chump change. You're not talking about that for a fourth or fifth receiver, mm-hmm. and they also brought back Durham Smythe two years, eight million, which not chump change for a you know second or third tight end either. So it's not completely out of the question. So if you're looking for a chip to trade. There in the draft, yeah, Gasecki could be it. I don't expect him to get moved, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point to bring up.
0: Well, that, that was something I actually talked with a couple of folks about when, when the Debo possibility came up. Uh, you know, it was as far as I wouldn't gut a position, but probably the most tradable chip in that process, if San Francisco was willing to bite on, uh, you know, going for that inside out pairing at tight end, would have been Gasecki.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could be a a piece for a lot of different teams. There's no doubt about that. I mean, and you have to wonder what the overall fit's going to be in a Mike McDaniel offense. There's one of two ways to look at it is, no, he's not like George Kittle, but very few tight ends in the NFL are. And Gesicki is unique in that he's been a top five receiving tight end and yardage in the NFL each of the last two years, but he also can't block. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he can block out in space and everything, but he can't block in line. So he's unique and limited at the same time. So he he could and fit we've got some two teams. fullbacks on the
0: roster that needs that are going
1: to probably God. at least one will probably see the field a lot. All right. Let's, let's get to the mock draft here. Now we're talking about fullbacks before you get carried away, fullbacks and mock drafts. Oh, I love this week. <laughs> this is my favorite week of the year by far. And, uh, I'm I really am glad to share it with all of you and we're going to go through a lot here tonight and we're going to take as long as needed because I'm staying up way past my bedtime on this here. So let, let's start at the top Paul with our one round mock draft. Everybody's got them. And we did, um, we did this, I, th- I think what, five or six weeks ago. Let's start at the top with the Jacksonville Jaguars and you're going to have, I'm going to kick it to you on this first because we're going to have dueling mock draft. So Paul's going to go first with his first overall pick. And then I'm going to go with my first and then my second. So with the Jaguars, I mean, it, it, it looks like there's four players being talked about. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, Trayvon Walker from Georgia, who is now the odds on favorite to be the first overall pick. Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. And uh, Iki Iguanu from the offensive tackle from NC State. So who did you end up going with first overall? Well, we have come a
0: very, very long way from two months ago when people were mocking Iki Iguanu to the Dolphins at pick 29, haven't we? Uh, where we're now talking about him at number one overall. And it, it's it's insane how much people can shift in during the underwear Olympics process. And that being the case, I went ahead and took Iki Iquanu. It's I think he's more polished than Evan Neal even though Evan Neals rated a little bit higher right now and I think he's more ready to start from day 1 and that's not an insult to to Neal.
1: Uh Icky is a, to me a dominant run blocker not quite as refined as Neal. That that's where we'll we'll disagree on that, but it, it, as far as upside is concerned, uh I I think Icky is certainly one of the most talented players in this draft. And it at this time of the draft, players start to, who are the athletes, start to gravitate uh, a little bit toward the top of the board. I had Trayvon Walker as a surprise pick in our first mock draft, number one overall. And I think I'd be a fool to not have that same guy right now, given that he's the odds on favorite. Um, and I put a lot of faith into from Pro Football Network's um, Tony Pauline who had it right on Baker Mayfield in 2018 with the number one pick, who had, who had it right in 2019 with Kyler Murray. And now here, Trayvon Walker, he reported this several weeks ago, five, six weeks ago, um, or, or excuse me, after the combine. So, yeah, right around that time frame. So I've got him going number one. And then number two with Detroit, Aiden Hutchinson, local product from Michigan, and he was the odds-on favorite for the number one pick up to up until a couple of really hours ago. So he goes number 2 to the Lions for me.
0: I'm going to go with Ditto on that one. Uh Aiden Hutchinson, number 2 overall to the Detroit Lions. It's they need a pass rush, they need they need edge help, they need a lot of things. They they're the like one of those teams at the top that could go any direction that you can think of. And and I agree with you. Aiden Hutchinson comes off the board to Detroit and I think we're going to have a lot of teams in the top ten that feel like they got the number one overall pick in this 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 year's draft, which is crazy to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump to number three: the Houston Texans, a team that could also go a lot of different directions, but they got Jacques Saseir as Lovey Smith's right hand man, and Jacques a D line coach, Lovey's a defensive coach. I think they're going to that defensive well and. This is a player that I know we're going to talk about players we're higher on or lower on than other people. To me, Jordan Davis is a top five talent in this draft, and he's somebody you can use as a movable piece along that D-line, and I think he's going to tire out a whole lot less when he's not fighting three people every play. So he's coming off the board for me again to Houston. I I can't get off this hill.
1: It's definitely insane that uh, it's not as insane as it was a couple of weeks ago because – you you look at the board now, and th- there's a lot of rumors about him going nine to Seattle and, and being a value pick at 14 to the Ravens. So even though it would be a reach, it wouldn't be shocking. I mean, I so l- l- let me ask you this. Is this a pick you would make for the Texans at three, or is this one you think might actually happen?
0: Both. And if it doesn't happen here, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to go after either Kayvon Thibodeau or Trayvon Walker, the way my board played out. Um, And I think they're starting to consolidate picks to try to come back up with their second first rounder uh, from 13. You saw they made the trade with the Patriots today to get um, a fifth rounder for a sixth and a seventh. I think they're starting to consolidate ammo to be able to move up if they so choose or if they feel they need to. Because if they don't take – I. I think they're going to be a team that's in love with Jordan Davis. I 100% too. a, def- a defensive team uh, where the defensive head coach is defensive line. Coach is in his hip pocket. I, I think you're going to see a heavy investment in the defensive line. And I think you're going to see it early.
1: I'll tell you this. If Jordan, it's not that I look at Jordan Davis and just can't figure out why people are, are enamored with him. He is a monster. I mean, mm-hmm. To be 6'6", 340, and do what he does at that size with his athleticism. I mean, he, out, he had the exact same 40 time as Darian Kendrick. Same 10 yards. The cornerback. I mean, it, it, you know, he, was, he was faster in the 40 than Bosa. Bosa ran a 4'8". I mean, it, he can do incredible things. I can't get over that on third down and in the fourth quarter, we haven't seen it yet. Um, well- and but I think, still
0: I there's two aspects of that. For one, at the NFL level, he's not going to be fighting three guys every play or almost every play. For two, you start moving him around, he's not going to be fighting as many double teams. And for three, one of the things they need to coach him, and I'm big on effort and, and hustle and all those things. If the play is 40 yards away, he doesn't have to be the one to have to sprint and get there.
1: Yeah, I'm big on effort, too. Uh, I I also think as well that he gets winded with that effort. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this. If the Texans take Jordan Davis third overall and he turns out to not be a 60 snap per game guy, then they get everything that they deserve for taking a defensive tackle who didn't show the ability to do that in college. But he is a destroyer. There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. that. Um, With
0: my... the the equivalent, uh, last, last comment on this, the, the equivalent I'll use is for anybody that's watching the show or listening to us uh, on iTunes or whatever um, that ever wrestled, right? If you're in a wrestling match where you're circling each other, and I'm talking about not WWE, but actual wrestling, where you're just circling each other, et cetera, at the end of the period, you're not wiped. But once you're engaged and and rolled around on the mat, trying to force stuff, uh, trying to escape all those things, you hit the end of that two-minute period, and it's brutal. And that's the equivalent for me times three of what Jordan Davis is going through on most snaps. And that's just not going to happen at the next level.
1: Let me ask you this, then. Then why in the fourth quarter is that guy that's supposedly wiped – still playing and jordan davis isn't that's that that's what doesn't make sense
0: to no, me on. jordan davis is, i mean you don't get as wiped when there's three of you blocking somebody as you do when you're the one having to fight off three people you don't
1: yeah and he, he is somebody who can occupy double teams there's no doubt about that and again i'm not lost on why jordan davis is projected to be a really high draft pick. there's it's um at number three, uh, that would be shock, shocking for me, but you have said this all along. And now it, it gets less crazy by the day, doesn't it? It does. It really does. I mean, it, right now, I mean, you're talking about the Seahawks ninth overall. There's a lot of talk about him taking Jordan Davis there. And consensusly, he's in the middle of the first round. And mm-hmm. I had him going always outside of the first round. So that's one of the interesting storylines to watch in this entire draft, not just from us but from everybody talking about the draft too. So I went with a much safer pick at number three, and that is Evan Neal from uh, Alabama. And he is somebody that played right tackle in 2020. They've got Laramie Tunzel, former Dolphin at left tackle. You put Evan Neal at right tackle, and now you're able to kick Tyus Howard inside the guard. So to me, the, the Texans have to get this pick right. And... They, they've got to do it here with, with this type of selection. They're sticking with Davis Mills here, at least in 2022. They've got to set that foundation. Uh, and then at number four of the Jets, I went back and forth with a couple of players here, but you know they, they were talking about how Kayvon Thibodeau had such a great meeting and interview with them, and he's a talented player, but it starts to make me wonder why they were saying that so loudly with Thibodeau, who's kind of a controversial player. So I ended up going with Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati at, at number four. Because in this division, they added DJ Reed, and now they pair Sauce Gardner opposite him. So matching up with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, that's probably going to factor into the Jets' mind while they make the picket four.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had them taking Ahmad Gardner all along. There's a few different places they could go. Uh, but Sauce makes a lot of sense. The one other player that does make a little bit of sense here is they could use a little bit better safety play, um, and, and Kyle Hamilton is still sitting on the board. Somebody that that for a while was going number two overall, so I mean he could be in play for them as could an edge rusher. But again, it, it's I'm, Sauce Gardner makes way too much sense, especially in a division where you've got Tyreek Hill, Devontae Parker, um, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson uh you know like all of Buffalo's receivers like just you need good solid corners to even have a prayer moving forward and getting getting him in on a five-year contract a potentially five year contract is it, it just it makes way too much sense. It's like the most obvious pick in the top four to me really.
1: And then back to you with a uh, fifth overall.
0: Evan Neal comes off the board and helps the Giants solidify their tackle tantrum to pair with Andrew Thomas and gives the Giants some protection for Daniel Jones so they can finally see that he's not the answer for real.
1: Yeah, and I went with another offensive tackle, and it may look like a little bit of a reach, but Kyle Brandt said something on uh, Good Morning Football the other uh, other day that made a lot of sense is that the Giants as an, organiza- as an organization – in, in 20, I mean, if you look at them in 2018, they were saying all along that they were going to take Saquon Barkley at number two, and they did. And people didn't think they were going to. They thought they were going to take a quarterback. And then in um, 2020, or excuse me, 2019, they said they were going to take Daniel Jones all along at number six, and they did. So there's been a lot of smoke and a lot of talk around Charles Cross from offense, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State a very refined pass protector, maybe a little bit undersized, but has so many pass protection snaps. And you put him at right tackle opposite Andrew Thomas or flip them both, and now you have a pocket protecting Daniel Jones. And they've got a big decision on Daniel Jones here in a couple weeks with picking up the fifth-year option. I won't dismiss the possibility that they trade down and get a quarterback here too.
0: Who'd you go with there? Charles Cross?
1: Yeah, Charles Cross. And then at number six, the Panthers are probably the most polarizing team in the top. I mean, really in the entire draft, as far as quarterback, offensive tackle anywhere. But they see Icky Aquano here, and they take him here at number six. And they can justify what they've been saying in the media about, you know, going back and forth on the quarterback over the last couple of days. But they take uh, Icky Aquano here. And he becomes the left tackle that the Panthers hope to have for the next 10 years because they've switched left tackles every year for the last eight years. And so this should be something that's a little bit more stable for them.
0: While I agree with you and and I could go with Charles Cross to the Panthers, I ended up going the direction that I really don't love for them, but they're turning into where bad quarterbacks go to to mess around and, and they need to fix that. Hopefully they would trade down to do this, but again, Malik Willis is head and shoulders at the quarterback position over anybody else in the draft. Uh, That's not to say he should be a top 10 pick, but the position he plays and the, the dire need that the Panthers have, they take Malik Willis off the board here, and then the Giants come back after adding Evan Neal with the fifth overall pick. And they start to contribute back to their pass rush. Even though he's a little bit controversial, he's somebody that was the number one consensus overall pick for probably about 12 months before he fell down the board a little bit over the last month or two. And that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think he can provide that pass rush for the New York Giants to start helping them stay in games and and really terrorize the NFC East.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those are two solid selections there. And uh, so you've got... Malik Willis at six, and Thibodeau at seven for the Giants. So the Giants now, because we have to keep this all together with so many teams having combined first-round picks. So the Giants, for you, have Evan Neal and Kayvon Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. And for me, Charles Cross. And they come back with the second cornerback in this draft, and that's Derek Stingley Jr., who has elite 2019 tape Got injured, has only played 10 games over the last two years, but as far as physical attributes, might even be better than Sauce Gardner. Um, Then at number eight, that's where Thibodeau comes off the board for me. Um, He could go anywhere really between picks two and eight here. And, you know, a question I have for you, Paul, if we can draw a line in the sand a little bit here is, when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau, do you get a, a little bit of a Michael or, or, or a Micah Parsons feel in kind of how he's falling a little bit on draft boards? Because there was a lot of talk last year with Micah Parsons that you couldn't quite put your finger on. There was the hazing incident with him. But when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, he, he's dropping somewhat for production reasons but also because football may not be the most important thing for him. I'm talking just about his direct about his draft I, stock. I, th- I
0: think people are situations. reading too much into too many things with Thibodeau. Um, and again, Michael Parsons was one I didn't have the concerns with that. Some folks did just because I thought the talented upside was there. I do like Parsons better than I like Thibodeau as a player. Um, and, you know, in the pre-draft process, it's all going to depend on who got that vibe as far as his love of football. If the Giants sat down with him and had no questions or concerns about it and did their background research like you know that they do, um, I do think he 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 would easily come off the board here because we were talking about him as the number one overall pick for literally a year.
1: Um, yeah, he and, was by far the number one pick Yeah, uh, before his, the season started here. So, yeah.
0: So... And I know you went edge rusher for the Falcons at number eight, and you went Thibodeau. I went with somebody you went with a little bit earlier here, and and the Falcons could have gone offensive line uh, with Charles Cross out there. They could have gone wide receiver. We haven't seen one of them come off the board in either of our drafts yet. Uh, And they have a dire need there as well. But they also have a dire need along the defensive front, and that's where Trayvon Walker comes off the board and goes to Atlanta and, and, and gives them that pass rush. Um, as far as Seattle goes, Jordan Davis is off the board. Um, the top edge rushers are off the board and this is where they start to solidify an offensive line that right now is going to be trotting out stone Forsyth and Jake Curhan as their offensive tackles. And that's where Charles Cross stops his slide at number nine, still goes in the top 10, but he goes to Seattle.
1: And I'm gonna match you at the offensive tackle spot, but from a different standpoint, because the Seahawks always take players that 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 you don't expect them to take. They reach, they don't they live to their own board. I mean, you look at the past couple of years, I mean, nobody expected them to take LJ Collier, Jordan Brooks, and I mean Jermaine Effetti, James Carpenter, they were legendary between years you know, 2010 and 2012, but they've been flat out incompetent since then. And I think that incompetence continues here and they take uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. As soon as here you started Northern talking, Iowa.
0: I knew that's where you were going.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's a mean, nasty player, but I don't think he's mean and nasty in a good way. It's kind of how you felt a couple of years ago about Taylor Lewan. Mm-hmm. is that he's nasty, but he's nasty, not for like productive reasons. I mean, you look at the Senior Bowl, and I mean, j- just to start, you know, jacking people after the play in practice it, it's not productive. But he is uh, also six seven, three hundred and thirty pounds.
0: Going to be a hell of a guard.
1: Forty. I mean, he's 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 a talented player, and I I could see him justifying it here. But um, he's going to be a hell of a guard. I'll tell you that. Might be. Uh, I I don't think he can he can well or, or move well enough to be a guard. Um. And then at pick 10, the Jets come back. They had, the, for me, they took sauce at number four, as well as for you. And then I've got Jamison Williams here at number 10, even though he's not the highest rated receiver on the board, but actually he's trending toward that way. And the thing that, that hasn't me taken him here is that after the Jets lost out on Tyreek Hill, I found it odd that the reports starting to come out are that how much they love Drake London. And that didn't quite make sense to transition from, you know, a Tyreek Hill to a Drake London type of receiver. So Jamison Williams tore his ACL late in, um, uh, late in the season in the playoff game against Georgia. And I, I think, I I think this would be a great pick for them long-term and a great deep threat for, for uh, Kyle Wilson, yeah,
0: I I, I for, don't for
1: Zach, that. Wilson. Zach Wilson.
0: Zach, kind of who you met? Uh, Kyle
1: Wilson, Zach Wilson. Damn.
0: Doesn't really matter which Wilson you're talking about here. I mean, let's 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 not dive into that. But the Wilsons are a joke in my book. Um, for for me, I went ahead and I solidified the Jets secondary here, and I took another player that up until very very recently was a top five overall pick and the jets are very happy to have kyle hamilton sitting out there the safety from notre dame to solidify their secondary alongside sauce gardner and now they have a pretty lethal secondary to start trying to combat what they're going to see in the afc east this season
1: yeah so kyle hamilton Number ten to the Jets, along with Sauce Gardner, so that mm-hmm. would be a interesting defensive back, comp- you know, game with the Dolphins. So who'd you go with with the Washington Commanders at eleven? Oh, the Washington Football Team. Uh, I can't. I can't bring myself. Yeah, to say I was Commanders. starting to really warm up to that too. I mean, it,
0: it's. I, I like that one, but I know you went ahead and surprised people and took Jameson Williams as the first receiver overall believe it or not i thought about pairing chris olave here with with washington and reuniting some of the alabama or uh, ohio state players together out there but i took a page from you as well i think and and my gut tells me jameson's the first one off the board and he he comes off here to the the washington football team
1: and i also went receiver with them uh, drake london from usc um somebody who had 87 catches before he got injured just, what, eight or nine games into his, into his 2021 season. Uh, and he didn't get a chance to test out a lot, but compares a lot to Brandon Marshall, that big body type of receiver. And Carson Wentz needs somebody like that out there uh, who, who is a high-point type of catcher. And then number 12, for me, Kyle Hamilton is still on the board. I did not go with Kyle Hamilton here at 12. I went with Andrew Booth from Clemson, who I think is criminally underrated at this point. Didn't test out as well here this offseason because of a double hernia surgery, but has elite tape, elite physical skills. And I think if if he got the opportunity to test out, which he's going to recover from, he would be a top 10 pick easily. So Vikings get Andrew Booth there. Uh, at,
0: at number 12. And who'd you go with that 13?
1: Uh, so oh, you, I went you, with, uh... the
0: commanders first. Sorry. I, I did the commanders first. I got, I got missed missed time there. So I went corner as well. Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU comes off the board here for me. There's some talk about him coming a little bit earlier in this one, but for me, he comes off the board at 12 now at 13, we got the Texans back on the board. They went Jordan Davis, number three, overall which I know gets less and less crazy by the day. But they go back to the well on that defensive line here, uh, despite some of the players that I think could help them out. And they take Jermaine Johnson, edge, def- to come, come down there from Florida State and, and really, really turn that into a terrorizing defensive line in in Houston.
1: And uh, yeah, Jermaine Johnson has really been mocked a lot in the top 10 recently. And I've got him on the board still too. So because the value is slipping to this point at 13 Texans get Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame and they are elated to have two players on both sides of the football with that, with those type of skills and, and that character that could, that, that they can bring to the locker room. Evan Neal, and Kyle Hamilton. And then at 14, in typical Ravens fashion, Jermaine Johnson falls down to that spot. And they've always preferred those big edge guys, too. You look at uh, away from Penn State last year that they drafted in the first round. So you got two monsters coming off the edge there. So that's my 14th pick.
0: So I actually, at 14 and 15, take some wide receivers off the board back to back. Um, the Ravens desperately could use a little more help in the receiving department, as could the Eagles. Garrett Wilson goes to Baltimore, and Chris Olave, probably the smoothest route runner in the draft, one of the most reliable wide receivers in the draft, finally, finally, finally gives the Eagles a round one wide receiver that's going to live up to his billing.
1: Yeah, I've got Garrett Wilson going fifteenth of the Eagles here as a. I guess a value type of pick because I've, I've always been a little bit lower on Garrett Garrett Wilson because of his size, Mm -hmm. but you know, now that he's here at 15, a team that doesn't tend to draft linebackers or cornerbacks high. um, He, he makes a lot of sense here. And then 16, the saints have been one of those interesting teams too. And uh, Malik Willis is still on the board from uh, Liberty. And, it's really hard to tell what the Saints are going to do with that weird trade that they made with the with the Eagles, where uh, they basically got two first-round picks and they gave up um, a first-round pick next year and a second-rounder the year after that. Uh, there, were, there was another pick or two in there, too. But now that they're here at 16, they take Malik Willis, and they put him behind Jameis Winston because they – Pretty surprised he's here with that skill set at this point.
0: So, for me, the Saints just lost one hell of an offensive tackle. Uh, somebody you guys are familiar with down here in Miami. They need to replace badly for anyone to have a chance that at at the quarterback position, the uh, running back position, you name it. And this is where I've got Trevor Penning coming off the board. Uh, I know you you dove into him a little bit earlier. He's got a nasty streak, something I think they're going to like down there in New Orleans, and I think it's going to make him a bit of a folk hero. Uh, and then the offensive line trend continues. San Diego or L.A. Chargers, Jesus, that, that that's still sticking with me. Um, <laughs> their right half of their – offense, they're from the center to the left, they're in good shape. The right half of their offensive line and their offensive line depth are bad – and also rolling off of contracts after this season. They desperately need to, and we're very upset to see Trevor Penning come off the board. And this is a little bit early for him, but I think he meets a need, and and it's a little bit of a panic button for a team that has just about everything else and wants to protect Justin Herbert. And Zion Johnson comes off the board at 17 to the Chargers.
1: Man, I thought you were going to say, I thought we're going to finally have one of the same – no, no, actually, we had South Gardner going fourth.
0: Yeah, we, we've, been, we've been close on him.
1: We, we've been close, too. Uh, I, I have also an offensive lineman, and this is a reach, too, and it's uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan because okay. I see the offensive tackles getting shoved up the board. And it, the, the way I've, I've prior to, prioritized it here is Evan Neal goes third, Charles Cross gets reached on in five. Icky Iguano was a value pick at six. Trevor Penning at number nine is an insane pick as usual by the Seahawks. And then at 17, you've got Zion Johnson, who, had, who played offensive tackle at BC in 2020 and guard uh, for them at 2021. And then went to the senior bowl and played center along with guard. I've got Bernard Raymond here from Central Michigan. He's going to be 25 years old here by the start of the season, but has really good athleticism for his size. He's kind of a Garrett Bowles type of player, but Garrett Bowles also for the Broncos. He was 25 when he was drafted, was a really good athlete, was a little bit rough around the edges, but adjusted quickly, had that mean streak, had that athleticism, and was able to adjust to the point where he was a pro bowler after a couple of years. So I've got Raymond there at 17. I like that one, actually. What do you mean, actually?
0: I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, you, you claim it a reach pick, but I like it. It's He, he makes a lot of sense for them, too. And, and once that, that offensive line room gets to the next tier, there's going to be some panic buttons hit.
1: Yeah, and that's how the, the, the entire rest of the draft is panic buttons. <laughs> or it's either value or panic buttons. Mm-hmm. And it, with the 18th pick, I've got the Eagles taking uh Kyrie Elam from Florida. They finally draft a cornerback here and they, it, he didn't have great 2021 20, tape compared to 2020, but he's long, he's lean and he's able to cover a lot of ground. So I see him going somewhere in the uh, top 20 picks. So, I went with Raymond and uh, Kyer Elam there. And okay. who is your pick at 18 for the Eagles?
0: The Eagles are utterly shocked that at a position where they need not one but two players, the top linebacker on the board is still available, and that's Devin Lloyd out of Utah. And there's no doubt in my mind if Devin Lloyd is sitting there when the Eagles pick at 18, he will be their pick. Um, it's they are barren in the linebacking department. And, and Devin Lloyd starts to fill that need and fill it well. Um, they, they may go back to that well, um, even after 18. But Devin Lloyd comes off the board here. And then the Saints, the Saints do need a lot of things here. And they, they could go a bunch of different directions. But Dax Hill, the safety out of Michigan, comes off the board to start helping that Saints secondary that's gonna to have to deal with a lot of talented players in that division this next season.
1: I like Dax Hill wherever he goes. He's a slot cornerback. He can play both safety positions. And you look at what they valued in Johnson, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and how they've moved him around. Uh I really like that pick, and they can also move him out to boundary cornerback. He's that athletic
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we start getting into the safety portion of the draft where there are several good players here, and five guys that you know in addition to Kyle Hamilton, you know you talk about Daxton Hill, you talk about uh Jalen Petrie, you talk about Jaquan Brisker um. And third name's escaping me. Our, our fifth name is escaping me here.
0: I was half um, listening, so I've been reading something. So, oh, uh, you're good. Uh, in,
1: in fact, it's actually my next pick. It's Louis Sean. Ah, uh, yes. From, um, from Georgia here. No, actually, excuse me. At number 19, I've got the Saints taking Chris Alave. I'm, I'm getting lost here. Uh, <laughs> at 19, Chris Alave from Ohio State. And then. At number 20, Lewis Seen from Georgia. And a lot of people have the Steelers reaching on a quarterback here. And I think the Steelers are going to try to zag while, re- while the rest of the AFC is trying to zag. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see Mike Tomlin being a coach that wants to stash and develop a quarterback. I, I think he wants to win, to win with Mitch Trubisky, as crazy as that sounds. And so now, even though they re-signed Terrell Edmonds to a one-year deal, he teams with Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary, and he's somebody that is an elite athlete at his size. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's 6'2", 205 pounds, and runs a sub 4'4", and has been an incredible player with elite traits from a a championship Georgia defense. That strikes me as somebody Mike Tomlin would want. So, Paul, back to you at twenty for the Steelers.
0: Well, uh, that's me. I'm a lot of people. I reached (laughs) on a quarterback for the Steelers. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to trade down to still get the guy. Uh, I hate this pick. I think he adds to you know the dumpster fire that is Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. But Kenny Pickett comes off the board here to Pittsburgh, and I'm not happy about it. I don't love it. I well. I'm happy about it because it eliminates a wildcard team. But then at number 21, this pick upsets me a little bit. Um, The Patriots' number one wide receiver right now is Devontae Parker. And uh, no matter what Mina Kimes believes, as Dolphin fans, we know Devontae Parker does not get separation. He's a contested catch guy. We've got the corners to deal with that but now the Patriots are going to add Drake London to that mix. Somebody that's been mocked very highly, much higher than this, um, leading up to the draft. And he comes off the board at 21 to the, to new England.
1: Well, London, uh, going, uh, going 21. Yeah. I mean that, that would be interesting. And it hate to say it, but it would make sense for the Patriots too, because if he's Mac Jones is somebody that needs a, you know, Big, a couple of big targets to throw to. Yeah. I mean, having, having London fall this far, as well as having Devontae Parker. And last year they signed, uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne and all those wide receivers and tight ends, too. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense at this point in the draft here. I went with uh, Devin Lloyd at 21. You know, when you look at in, in 2008, uh, Gerard Mayo was their first round pick. And then when, He's now their defensive coordinator actually. And when he started going down because of injuries in 2012 they drafted Dante Hightower in the first round. And now he's a free agent and they replace him and slot Devin Lloyd in there after 10 seasons. And then at number 22 you've got the Green Bay Packers and everybody is going to be pounding the table in cheese land for a wide receiver. And they don't get it at this pick. They get Boye Mafé, the linebacker from Minnesota, one of my favorite players in this draft. And when you look at what the Packers have done historically, too, I mean, they, they draft big athletes on defense. They, you know, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. And, you know, so getting Boye Mafé to help on the edges and be an upside type of player makes a lot of sense. So, Paul, back to you at 22.
0: Twenty-two. I did go wide receiver here. Uh, Traylon Burks is sitting on the board, and he's just too good for for Green Bay to pass up. We all we all know. I I will be highly entertained if they do go Boye Mafe, not because I hate the pick, but just because Green Bay just continue would continue to not add weapons for Aaron Rodgers, especially after losing his blankie this off season. Um, at number twenty-three, the Cardinals. Are sitting there they've got a few different needs that they could go with but they finally start to stock up that edge rusher uh group on on that side of the ball and george karloftis who is mocked in a lot of mocks in the top 15 is still sitting on the board and they can't pass him up with that need they have as far as pass rush goes so karloftis from purdue comes off the board here at 23 to the cardinals who are in utter shock
1: yeah and we're close on uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on on a lot of these guys, um, I've got Traylon Burks going 23rd to uh, the Cardinals. One pick after the the, the Packers at 22 because it, when you look at him as a player, he, he's somebody who's actually a giant slot receiver, and that fits right in line with what Clink, uh, with uh what Cliff Kingsbury likes to do on offense. Somebody who can be a difference maker along with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, who they just resigned. And then at 24, I I had a hard time thinking about what the Cowboys would do. And in the spirit of having the offensive tackles move up the board, I gave them Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, because he is a – I mean, to me, he's a mess as far as what I've seen on film. But six – I mean – he had 16 penalties last year. 13 of them were holding, and he should have had more. Dallas but, likes that. <laughs> yeah, they, they like the nasty, but they also like the offensive linemen that they can develop, and they have a need at left tackle with Tyron Smith, you know, uh, really on the back nine of his career, and they lost Lael Collins. They like t- uh, Terrence Steele at right tackle, and this is also a guy that can play guard, so – this makes a lot of sense for the Cowboys there at, uh, at 24. So who'd you go with uh, for Dallas?
0: As far as Connor Williams leaving Dallas as well, um, I went with a guard here. And Kenyon Green from Texas A&M comes off the board. I feel like he's a safer pick, and I think Tyler Smith may end up a guard eventually anyway, uh, in which case I think Kenyon Green is the better option. Uh, so that that's where Kenyon Green comes off to Dallas. And then Buffalo. Buffalo finally gets their cornerback to pair in the secondary, and they take Andrew Booth Jr. off the board from Clemson uh, to to come in and, and really, really be that big nasty out there for them.
1: I've got them going cornerback as well with uh, Kyler Gordon. I've had him slotted to them all along because he's a athletic zone type of cornerback. And at 26, when I look at what the Titans have done in the past couple of years with, uh, um, John Robinson is the GM. He likes big, long athletes. And Christian Watson from North Dakota State is a reach worth taking here, especially with how many wide receivers have been taken so far. I mean, somebody with you know, sub four four forty speed and over 11-inch broad jump or, or, or vertical jump there. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense for them. So I'm going to go with – with Watson at
0: that point. For me, I took Tyler Smith uh, or uh, yeah, Tyler Smith off the board to Tennessee here. Uh, t- Tennessee could, could have Tyler uh, could have Smith fight it out with. Um, am I saying the wrong name? I'm saying the wrong name here. Sorry. I, no, I did say Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Smith. Yep. Smith. Yeah. From Tulsa. T- Tyler Smith did come off the board here. And I think he and Dylan Radins or Radins can fight it out for the right tackle spot in the left guard spot. And I think it gives them a chance to put the best to where they need to be. And then we've got Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay takes a corner off the board here um, and Trent McDuffie. And that's going to be an exciting one to watch because they had a lot of issues at corner last year.
1: That's a great pick there because uh, they tend to go with value at this point. And he's, I mean, he, he's somebody that's projected to go a lot higher. Uh, in, in this first round in a lot of mock drafts, but under thirty-inch arms can't get over it. Rules are rules. But somebody who doesn't have short arms is Daxton Hill from uh, Michigan, and he mm-hmm. goes 27th to the Bucks. You had him go in 19th to the Saints, and he's going to go right in that area. He actually has the wingspan of somebody who's six foot eight. He plays safety. He plays cornerback and he might be able to be a boundary cornerback. Bucks are happy with that selection and they have always leaned toward investing in the secondary there. We saw that last year with Antoine Winfield Jr. too. And 28, this is the point the Packers fans are going to be absolutely irate. And they finally get their wish. They get a wide receiver in the first round, and it is George Pickens. From Georgia. I love that. To replace Devontae Adams. And uh, you know, he's somebody that I think would be actually be a top ten or top fifteen pick if it if if it wasn't for his injury this past year. He only played two games, but showed a little bit of that ability to sky above receivers. And he's also somebody who's really flexible for being six and one ninety five. So Pickens goes number 28 to the Packers back to you.
0: For me, the Packers go ahead and we've already taken a wide receiver for them. And now they're going to go over to the defensive side of the ball. And this is where I've got Boye Mafe coming off the board. Uh, Somebody that I know we've both been fans of for a while and continues to move up draft boards and helps them out on the defensive side of the ball. And and Kat, because Kansas City is back to back, I'm going to pitch it back to you for them first.
1: What great timing? Because this is where Jordan Davis becomes a Kansas City chief.
0: Ooh
1: And not only am I going to give him Jordan Davis, I'm going to go the next draft pick as well and give him David and Jabo from Michigan. It okay. seems like the chiefs who are, are playing the long game here when it comes to uh, when it comes to draft. To really their entire roster, because why else would you trade Tyreek Hill under any circumstances when he's just turned 28 years old after what he did last year? And he's not declining in speed. The GPS tracking data shows that. So they've got to do something special here with this draft. And if you go with Jordan Davis at 29, with every reason that you stated, and then David Njabo at 30, who is going to be out probably for the entire first year uh, after an Achilles surgery that he suffered uh, in in his pro day. You're really adding to your defense, and you're really adding to your team. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And now they can take the rest of their picks and move up for another wide receiver.
0: They can. Um, I Obviously, Jordan Davis was off the board for me here um, as far as that goes, but I actually have them taking Ojabo as well uh, as one of the two picks and then going to the safety position and Jaquan Brisker comes and helps out that secondary in, in Kansas City, especially after they've lost the Honey Badger, most likely if he ever signs anywhere.
1: So, I'll throw it back to you, too. Um, 31-32, the Bengals and the Lions. And I've noticed that neither one of us have taken Tyler Linderbaum.
0: Yes, we have. He's going to the Bengals and kicking Ted Karras over to guard.
1: I also (laughs) took Tyler Linderbaum, number 31. So, and one pick left, Paul, and I'm going to let you have the floor.
0: I think this is going to make for a fun, hard knocks. And I think getting a linebacker to help out the Detroit Lions who can go anywhere and everywhere uh, for help. And unbelievably so, N'Kobe Dean is still sitting there at 32. And that is where Detroit goes with this pick.
1: I have the uh, the, uh, Lions taking... A linebacker from Georgia, too. And it is... Quay Walker? It is Quay Walker who provides the length that the Lions need in the middle of their defense. So now they've got Aiden Hutchinson and Desmond Ritter. I mean, keep in mind, the best player on their front seven is Charles Harris, who is making $7 million a year. You heard that correctly. So... Yeah, And I, I think nikobe Dean is a better player. He is smaller. He's 5'11", 231 pounds. Fantastic football player. Is he At, the best length have, guy? No. Where did you
0: have Thibodeau go off the top of your... I can't remember off the top of my head.
1: Uh, Thibodeau, I had going
0: 8th to the Falcons. And I had him go to the Giants. Sorry, we got asked ask the question in chat. So I figured I'd, yeah. I'd pass it along.
1: So oh, uh, do, you, do you want to recap our first round? Uh, do you have that Listed uh, where where you are. If not, I've I've I. If I you've got a list, you go ahead and run it down. All right. So my first round is Jaguars Trayvon Walker Lions number two Aiden Hutchinson Evan Neal number three to the Texans number four Jets Sauce Gardner five Giants Charles Cross from Mississippi State six Panthers icky iguanu seven. Giants, Derek Stingley, eight, Kayvon Thibodeau, nine, Seahawks, Trevor Penning, 10, Jets, Jameson Williams, 11, Commanders, Drake London, 12, Vikings, Andrew Booth, 13, Kyle Hamilton to the Texans, 14, Ravens, Jermaine Johnson, 15, Eagles, Garrett Wilson, 16, Saints, Malik Willis. 17. Bernard Raymond to the Chargers. 18. Eagles Kyrie Elam. 19. Chris Olave for the Saints. 20. Steelers Lewisine. 21. Patriots Devin Lloyd. 22. Packers Boye Mafe. 23. Cardinals Traylon Burks. 24. Tyler Smith for the Cowboys. 25. Bills Kyler Gordon. 26. Christian Watson, Titans, 27, Bucks, Daxton Hill, 28, Packers, George Pickens, 29, Jordan Davis, Chiefs, 30, Chiefs, again, with David Ajabo, 31, Bengals, Tyler Linderbaum, 32, Lions, Desmond Ritter. And on the other end, Paul, number one, went with... Uh, Iki Ikuanu, number one for the Jaguars, two, Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions, three, Jordan Davis for the Texans, four, Sauce Gardner for the Jets, five, Charles Cross, or, no, no, excuse me, five for the Giants, Evan Neal, six, Malik Willis uh, for the Panthers, seven, Giants, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, eight. Falcons uh, Trayvon Walker nine Charles Cross uh, for the Seahawks ten Jets Kyle Hamilton eleven uh, Jamison Williams for the uh, for the Commanders there twelve Derek Stingley for the Vikings thirteen Jermaine Johnson for the uh, Texans. 14, Garrett Wilson for the Ravens. 15, Chris Olave for the Eagles. 16, Trevor Penning for the Saints. 17, Zion Johnson for the Chargers. 18, uh, Devin Lloyd for the Eagles. 19, uh, Daxton Hill for the Saints. 20, Kenny Pickett for the uh, Steelers. 21, Drake London for the Patriots. 22, Traylon Burks for the uh, Packers, 23. George Karloftis for the Cardinals, 24, Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas AM from our for the uh, Cowboys, 25. Andrew Booth for the Bills, 26. Tyler Smith for the Titans, 27. Trent McDuffie for the Bucks, 28. Boye Mafe for the Packers, 29. Jaquan Brisker for the Chiefs, 30 David Ajabo for the Chiefs, 31 Tyler Linderbaum for the Bengals and 32. Quay Walker, or no, excuse me, uh, Nakobe Dean. Wrong Georgia guy. Yeah, wrong Georgia guy. So There we go. Uh, any uh, mistakes I made there?
0: Nope, you nailed it.
1: I think I, I went sixty three out of sixty four, but I can't remember which one I got.
0: Oh, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. The mistake that you you made was not picking the same guys as me.
1: Uh, <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, any questions from our chat so far? Uh,
0: not too much. I mean, mostly just talking a little bit about Detroit and the fact that Charles Harris led the team with seven and a half sacks, which both of us fixed with with Hutchinson.
1: So, uh, uh, John Gordon sent the chat, uh, excellent mock, but Harris kudos. Yeah. I I've got to say, I mean, you're oh, talking about the Charles Harris, Harris
0: kudos not... in chat. Don't worry.
1: Ah, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. says this is why I don't comment on chat very much. Uh, let's see. Anyway. So we're now about an hour into this here and we're going to go all night if we have to, I mean, uh, but Paul, the Dolphins mock draft is next. And we have some different philosophies on this. Um, I want the Dolphins to keep all of their day one and day two picks next year because to keep that as that basket, to keep that in their back pocket next year with a very talented football team. Um, You're... Really wanting to trade up in this draft, aren't you? A little bit.
0: Um, Not heavily, uh, but I also think Greer is very likely to. This is a team that can win it all this year. Uh, And this is a team that he's going to enrich any which way he can, uh, including that F them picks mentality in some ways. And if the right player were to fall to the right place, I could very very easily see him making a move to go up and get said player.
1: So the Dolphins have a third round pick, pick 102. They have a fourth round pick at 125, and they have two seventh round picks. Not a lot to work with compared to previous years, but I'm, we're both okay with that, mm-hmm. given what they've got on the roster right now. So, they have the opportunity to either add some players onto the roster or or maybe even bundle everything up and add one player onto the roster or go in a different direction. So, um, again, recapping pick 102, 125, and then two seventh rounders. So, what did you end up doing with those selections? All right. So,
0: my first pick ended up being. Round three, number 68 overall. I did not trade any draft capital from this year, but the price of doing business is you have to go one round higher if, you're, if it's for the following year's draft. So Miami trades their 2023 second rounder to Houston to come up to pick number 68 towards the beginning of the third round and take... The rising player that we were able to take at 102 a few weeks ago in linebacker, running back, quarterback, and jack of all trades, and damn good at all of them, Troy Anderson. Uh, Primarily to be a linebacker out of Montana, he played some safety as well, but I think he could be a very dynamic player, especially in our defense, and even potentially to run a little bit of wildcat on
1: offense at times so pick 68 and then so because the in your mock draft the dolphins traded up our traded future picks you still, I'm still have there at 102, 102 baby correct
0: i am and this is where we take a running back off the board somebody i've been in love with throughout this entire process and that is dolphins fan james cook out of georgia who could not if if he does not win the starting running back job, could also be our fourth wide receiver um that could overtake Preston Williams. He's that good as a wide receiver as well. And, and really allows Mike McDaniel to do some unpredictable things on offense, uh taking James Cook here
1: for Miami. So I went a different direction with pick 102 is there are seven teams in the NFL draft that have two or more fourth round picks. So I'm hoping for the dolphins in this type of draft to trade down, not trade up and okay. not trade future picks. So because of that, the dolphins have all of their picks from next year. They have two first rounders. They have a second rounder and they have two third rounders because of the Devonte Parker trade. And because they traded down from 102 with the Ravens for picks 139 and 134, they now have three mid-to-late fourth-round picks. My first one is center-slash-offensive tackle Zach Tom from Wake Forest at pick number, uh, number 125 here. And he is somebody that does not fit every scheme, kind of like Tyler Linderbaum doesn't fit every scheme. He's more of his own type of guy. He played center at wake forest for his first two years there in 2018, 2019, but he also had the flexibility to kick out to right tackle and shut down Jermaine Johnson when they played against each other. Um, He also went to the East West shrine game and moved into the interior and was able to play all three, uh, three interior line spots. So, somebody that is able to challenge everything from center to right guard to right tackle, he's somebody I like a lot. I mean, athletically, he tests out, and even for somebody who's 6'4", 304, has long arms at the, at the offensive tackle position, which you know I love.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you and your arm length. It's one of the things I look forward to every draft season is knowing an insane amount of things about people's arm length.
1: It, you just have to have over 33-inch arms, which Liam Eichenberg did not, unfortunately. And after that, so to round out the rest of my picks here, uh, my other two fourth-rounders were JoJo Doman, the linebacker from Nebraska. You said and should and got me all excited. <laughs> he is almost going to be 26 years old at the end of his rookie year but somebody that can play a role immediately. And he is going to hover around the middle of that defense as a linebacker. He was actually a a slot safety or slot cornerback for Nebraska. And somebody that can move into that linebacker spot and play that same role. So at at 6'1", 226, he knows when to throttle up and when to throttle down. So... If he were, you know, if, if this were a different season where the Dolphins are trying to build something, it would be a different conversation. But he, he's a really talented player. And for a two- or three-year stint, which is really the time period the Dolphins are trying to win in, he's somebody that can get on the field, be a great special teamer, but also cover a lot of ground immediately, as well as blitz, um, be a great blitzer, too, at the linebacker spot.
0: So round four, pick 125 for me. I had a dilemma on my hands. Jelani Woods, I just view as the highest upside tight end in this draft. Um, and then you've got Chig Akonquo, who we all know I've been in love with throughout this process, ran faster than any other tight end. Um, isn't is a good tight end, but his value truly is as that movable tight end, similar to like Charles Clay a few years ago for the Dolphins, but better and more athletic and faster. And you can move them to fullback. You can move them to H back. You can move them all around the offense with guys like him and James Cook. You can trot them out on the field and run out of an eye or a five wide. And that's where things continue to get fun. And Miami takes Chigakonkwo off the board here at in round four, pick one twenty-five.
1: Yeah, I mean that would be interesting. Uh, I mean, somebody who ran a four-five-two and can come out of the fullback spot. I mean, I, I'd rather do that in the fourth round than drafted nobody in the sixth or seventh at the fullback spot. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, I. Uh, My third pick here is going to be D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. He is my third fourth-round pick because, keep in mind, I I traded down from 102 to get the Ravens' two fourth-round picks. So Cameron – or excuse me, uh, Zach Tom at center, JoJo Doman from Nebraska, and D'Angelo Malone – is my third pick there from Western Kentucky. And he's somebody that when you take a look at the future, Andrew van Ginkle, I hope the dolphins re-sign him, but you know, if, if it's more for for more than, you know, seven or 8 million a year, I'm probably not going to be as interested, but D'Angelo Malone played that same type of role at Western Kentucky. And he was productive for over, over four years there. And, he's somebody that can come in and make an immediate impact. So I'm looking for three players here in Zach, Tom, Jojo Doman and D'Angelo Malone that can come in and not only be, you know, good picks, but also active on that game day roster.
0: I like it. And it's, again, I think we both added different styles of weapons to this team with, with what we've done so far. Uh, Two, two different directions, but again, it's it's kind of funny how it happened to fall for me that I was able to get my three real Switchblade players that I love in this draft and and, and really give Mike McDaniel the tool set to send coordinators into the drawing room to try to figure out what the heck to do on, on game days and how to recognize what's going on. Um, I, I love love the picks that you have, especially along the line. For me, in round seven, I took two high upside guys. Um, I went at two twenty four. I went with safety Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. Um, tremendous athletic upside and ball skills, and somebody that could really, really translate to an eventual starter that that takes over for Eric Rowe. Um, and then at two forty seven, I took a guy that could potentially be a much higher rated wide receiver in most drafts, but he left hurt in 2019. He left hurt in 2020 and it's, or missed two seasons there and and really didn't get the chance to show it at SMU with a, a fairly simplistic route tree. But when given the opportunity showed, he could be explosive and somebody that could be in that third or fourth wide receiver role that you just can't cover them all. Uh, and, and that's Reggie Roberson. He is tremendously fast. He's got great hands, gets great separation, tremendous yard after the catch guy. And as, as Tua said, they're going to yak you to death this season. And Reggie Roberson just adds that receiver room as well as helps out where it's not as dire if you lose Jalen Waddell or Tyreek Hill for what you, you want to do on offense. I'm not saying he is them, but with his speed and separation ability, could at least make it hurt a lot less. And with a seventh-round pick, it's absolutely worth that flyer.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that uh, that's a really good pick there because, I mean, even for SMU, he was overshadowed by uh, two players, Danny Gray, who should be taken in the fourth round or so, and Grant Calcaterra, who was supposed to be a star tight end at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield but had concussion issues and was their second guy this past year. So Roberson really slipped under the radar. So he'd be a solid six, seventh round pick. That, that that's somebody I wish that I had uh, had grabbed. Um, but I'm laughing because um, Tyson Anderson is somebody who I had in the seventh round too. Oh, nice! Because I mean, it, he is really raw out of Toledo. I mean, four four seven forty and. He's really good in run support. I'm not sure if he's as good in pass defense, but the reason for that is because he's somebody that, that if I mean, he, he could move down in, into that linebacker role. So he's not somebody who's going to be like Javon Holland, who's a, who's a single high deep safety at all. So I want to take players at defensive back somewhere in this draft who are high on athleticism, mm-hmm. and not just Tyson, but also uh, Zion Gilbert from Florida A&M, who the Dolphins have brought in. So we're talking about pick two forty-nine, you know, thirteen picks away from Mister Irrelevant, and somebody who is six foot, two hundred pounds, who is a raw athlete, but also could be a gunner on special teams, and has a. Possibility of making the roster. If not, he's a shoe in for the practice squad.
0: I love that. It's. I've, I think we both ended up in a very good place as far as that goes. All right. Do, do you want to recap, or do you want to just move along from here?
1: No, let's let, let's move along because we're saving the best for last. Because this is what matters to me the most of everything we've done here in in the draft process for the Dolphins. <laughs> Cause they have picks one Oh two in the third round um, one twenty-five in the fourth round and two seventh round picks. And I, I never even labeled the seventh round picks cause I don't care about seventh round picks. I, I really don't there. There's not much difference for me with undrafted free agents and seventh round picks. Cause they're one in the same. My but thing
0: is, you know, you got your guy where seventh
1: round seventh round get your guy
0: as opposed to having to compete with other people for an undrafted spot
1: that's fair that's fair and there's not a big difference between seventh round pick and a sixth round pick no I prefer sixth round pick anyway so Paul we're going to start at the bottom if you've got your list ready
0: I do do you want me to start or are you going to start
1: you know uh Let's fire around this here. What's All that? Right, we'll, 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 we'll do it any way that you want here. Um, let's, let's start at pick number 20. It, we're going to go from the bottom with our 25th guy.
0: All right. Damian Pierce, running back from Florida. All the reasons you've seen thus far. Uh, he's ultra talented. And while I do think Monster and, and the rest of the running back room, are good a couple of them are on one year rentals at this point and i think miami does need to look to to buffer that that running back room and i think there's a certain style of running back that that uh mcdaniel likes and i think damian pierce could meet that mold and obviously as my 25th ranked person on the board he's not the guy i want
1: yeah 25th for me is uh, JT Woods from Baylor. I think he could convert to cornerback. He had nine interceptions over the last two years, and I like him actually kind of more than Brian Cook at this point, who I have higher on this list. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with JT Woods there at 25. And 24, somebody I've liked a lot, and 24 and 23 are going to be both pass catchers. Um, but 24 is going to be Danny Gray from SMU. And somebody who runs a four three three and is able to stack the cornerback and go over the top, even though he doesn't have great hands, but is able to create mismatches is somebody that I'm definitely interested in. He runs at a different level than players for me that are in the third and fourth round range after the players we mocked in the first round.
0: For me, I... I... I have JT Woods at 24 uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. And then I went to Sam Houston and Zion McCollum. Um, I know corner is not our biggest need, but again, at, at, Kat, I know you uh, spoke to the need anyway, given the fact that so many defensive backs are on the field and we're one injury away from having to start possibly Noah Igbenogany. So, J- Zion McCollum could make a lot of sense. And then I went to Sean Ryan, the offensive lineman out of UCLA. Again, I I, I think Miami's a little higher on the offensive line talent that they have right now than we are, than, than the fan base is. But again, he is a player that could make a lot of sense coming in to help out along that
1: offensive line. Good. And uh, Sean, Sean Ryan was uh, 23rd on your list? Uh,
0: uh, yes. 22nd.
1: 22nd. All right.
0: Pierce was 25th. JT. Woods was 24th. Zion McCollum was 23rd. And Sean Ryan was 22nd.
1: Sean Ryan is going to be spoiler is going to be third on my list because of how how much I think about him. But I'm glad that we're we're on the same page with our top 25 here. And JT Woods, you know, we're 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 more on the same page with this than with our mock draft uh, in, in the top five. So that matters. Absolutely. Um, so, 23 for me is uh, Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver from Boise State. I think he would add a level of physicality to the uh to the Dolphins receiver position that maybe they don't quite have right now. Um, you know, somebody who makes traffic catches and is also able to catch passes underneath and break tackles thereafter the catch. And 22 is somebody that was in my mock draft, Jojo Doman from Nebraska. Um, I, I can't get over how versatile that he is, even though I didn't want to like him there uh, from Nebraska because he's, he's almost 26 years old. But he, he could play a lot of different spots in, in, in the linebacker position as well as at the safety spot. And then after that, 21, Brian Osamore from from Oklahoma, you know, he is not very physical between the tackles at all, but he's able to, he, he just flies to the football. So if you're talking about somebody that can team with Jerome Baker on a down-to-down basis, he's probably not your guy. But if you're looking for a little bit of security and special teams ability after Baker, I I, I think he's he's somebody that can help you out a lot. So I'm up to 21 on my list there. I'm going to let you just free fall from there.
0: Well, I, I got nothing to say about my 21st pick because you said it all for Brian Asamoah. Um, at 20, though, Cam Cameron Thomas comes in to help along the defensive line. Um, 6'4", 270 pounds. He's fun to watch and I think could start to be one of those answers along the D-line to help out with the pass rush. Um, Who do you have there?
1: I've got Thomas a little bit higher on my list, but um, 20 is uh, Brian Cook from Cincinnati, who's been falling a little bit because I think he's a little bit too much like Brandon Jones. Um, 19, D'Angelo Malone, who I had in my mock draft from Western Kentucky, which I've already talked about. 18, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. He tested out really badly as an athlete, but I think when he gets the handoff and he gets into the hole, he's really creative. And in this Mike McDaniel type of offense, if you give him the ball in space, I think he can do some incredible things, even more so than somebody I have a little bit higher on this list. Um Who's also running back, who you've talked about too. Um, so I'm now up to eighteen. Go throw it back to you.
0: No worries. Sp- Spiller's one of those guys that just missed my list. Um, as a, as a spoiler alert, there, I I don't have a tremendous amount of defensive linemen on my list based on the way the board fell. Um, I know we had sixty some odd players that that we took and said, nope, we cannot take from these guys. And I know we're not going to run down that list. It's a tremendous homework assignment that that would make you gloss over. But again, it's there were 60 something players and there were a lot of edge guys up in that 60 something. And for me, that's where. Right now, I go through a handful and then there might be one more after this, and that's Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State, somebody that's been overshadowed for a long time. and has tremendous upside. Um you know, 6'3", 254. He's got the body type to hold up, but he's somebody that can come off the edge. And then I, I know I'm going to butcher this. Myjai Sanders out of Cincinnati.
1: Myjai Sanders. yeah, Myjai. He's, yep.
0: I've got he's him. He's fascinating. Slotted in at the 19th or 18th spot um, along that D line. Sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: Yeah, he's... Myjay Sanders, even though he had only two sacks for Cincinnati this past year, he he fluctuated between two hundred and fifty pounds and two hundred and thirty pounds at the combine. Like he is such a talented player mm-hmm. because it, he was somebody that was supposed to be a first rounder before the season. He's long. He had he had some medical problems. It, it, You don't just show up to the combine as a 250-pound edge rusher at 228 pounds. That just doesn't happen. So there's a reason he's still projected in that third, fourth-round area. And Tyreek Smith, I like a lot, too, for you. I mean, if you watch him against Tyler Smith, he owned him when Tulsa played Ohio State. So, yeah, I I could see that. The reason I don't have a lot of edge players on here, Paul, is because – Melvin Ingram, I would like to sign for one year, $4 million and just be done with it, you know? And so taking that in a different direction, but you know,
0: no, but it's, it's, I, I I see where you're going with it. And for me, I don't hate where we are. Um, I don't love where we are. I I, exactly. And, And that's where edge is nice. You can never have too many pass rushers. But you don't have to overdraft to get there.
1: And speaking of Edge, Josh, Joshua Pascal from Kentucky is somebody that reminds me of Melvin Ingram a lot. Uh, you know, 6'3, 270. He's also kind of in that Shaq Lawson mold from the Dolphins. You know, last year, but he's a big power edge and he's productive and he was good against really good competition too. Cole strange from Tennessee Chattanooga is my 16th on the list here. And my takeaway from him was at center. He was tall and thin. And because of that, it made me think that I'm not going to take a tall and thin guy. Who's a center from Chattanooga. But there's a reason also why he's projected in this kind of area, and he he's functionally really strong. He can, he can move players off the ball. I don't put him in the same category as Luke Fortner from Kentucky, which a lot of people like, because I I don't see a big difference between Fortner and Michael Dieter. I actually think Dieter is probably a better player than Fortner, but I think Strange might be able to be a better player than Dieter. For.
0: I, I like Strange as well, although I didn't go there here at 17. I went with Nicholas Petit Frere out of Ohio State. Uh, I think he could be a very impactful offensive tackle. I think he mirrors players well. Um, I do think he tends to get off his anchor a little bit, but I think the coaching will help. And, and that's where he can be susceptible to power moves at times. But I think he's somebody that could actually step in day one and challenge for that right tackle spot. Uh, at 16, I went with a guy we talked about a great deal this past week, and that is Marcus Jones, the undersized cornerback. I know he's only 5'8", 174, but he plays much bigger than that. He's fast, could really challenge for the nickel. If not, you've got your your impactful starting dime corner right off the rip. And he is a tremendous amount of fun to watch. Um, And again, he's going to slide based not on ability, not on on measurables or not on athleticism, but literally on his height.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's somebody I have a little bit higher as well. But uh, at 15, I've got James Cook from uh, Georgia. And he's somebody who never had the full-time role, shared that with Zamir White, but his flexibility and his versatility – Makes a lot of sense, even as this third running back. And he might be, I mean, not only somebody that can make a lot of plays outside of the hash marks, but inside of them as well. Um, 14, Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama. And now that I'm looking at this, I probably should have him a little bit higher on this list because I love so many defensive backs here. 6'2", 195 pounds, but... If you're talking about somebody, again, who can be a replacement for Byron Jones in 2023, 2024, he makes a lot of sense. He only played four games before this year, but stepped in right into that Alabama defense and looked like an elite athlete. He's long, he's physical, makes tackles, everything you want there, there at that cornerback spot. Kirby Joseph from Illinois, kind of in that same mold, where he didn't step up until this year, but he makes – I mean, he's, he's somebody that is a sub-4-5 strong safety, makes a lot of tackles, and had five interceptions this past year, even though he didn't have any in his first three years there at Illinois. So, you know, we start to get into that defensive back spot for me, where even though I didn't take any in my – mock draft. They make a lot of sense here in the third or fourth round.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's, but for me, it's, I've got a couple slotted in down here, but I I've kind of slid into the offensive or a big portion of the offensive line portion of my, my, my big board here. And at 15, I went with Donovan West out of Arizona state who we talked about a great deal uh, on our offensive line show or shows. And then, at 14, I went back to the offensive line Well, on the draft board, and I went with a little bit of a surprise one for me, but it it, it was somebody that I like more and more as I watch him, and that's Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Uh, massive size, uh, what, 6'5", 325. Uh, he can move, he's explosive, and he can mirror well, and he's somebody that I would definitely – not have an issue with being on Tua's blind side over a right tackle. It, it's he swallows up players at times when it comes to pass protection and he doesn't get overpowered very often. Uh, so there's well, a
1: lot to like. With him. Let me ask you this here with uh, Darian Kennard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Cause I really like Darian Kennard as a player. Uh, do you see Kennard and Robert Hunt being able to play right guard and right tackle together? Yes. In this offense?
0: Yes. Okay it it would actually have me be okay with keeping Robert Hunt at right guard. Cause right now the way this is playing out, I want Robert Hunt at right tackle, but if we drafted Kennard absolutely can see the two of them playing side by side.
1: And, and the reason I asked that is because if he were a, if we, if we rewinded back a year ago, um, I would have him as a second or third or third round pick in this offense mm-hmm. easily. um, But, and I think he could form a really good pass protection wall with Robert Hunt at right guard, right tackle. So he's somebody I've been torn on because he's a productive player. He's massive. He's, he's, there are three or four pundits that have compared him already to Robert Hunt. So if you're looking to, to have that wall on on the right side, then it makes a lot of sense. But if you're looking to implement Mike McDaniel's zone blocking scheme, which calls for quicker linemen, uh, that, that, that's where I get, uh, I'm just talking this out with you.
0: And, and no, I, I, and, and Kennard is a guy that I think does have the athleticism to, to move in this offense. I think he's got people tend. He's not Daniel Fulele who's six nine, three hundred eighty 380 pounds and just can't move. Like that's simple. Uh, as far as that goes, it's, He's more explosive than people give him credit for. And he's more explosive than some of his measurables at the combine show when I've watched his tape. And that's where I do think he could be a fit over there. And I think he's a little more nimble to be able to, to, to be that edge guy in the, in the outside zone scheme. Okay. So uh, who is next on your list here? Oh, I'm diving down more. I went with the forgotten linebacker out of Georgia. It's with all the talk of Quay Walker. With all the talking to Kobe Dean, people forget about Channing Tindall, and he—he's a decent-sized guy. He can he can cover. He can come up and and play the run, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Who do you have?
1: Uh, What what number were you on? That was thirteen. I just did three in a row. So uh, I've got Kirby Joseph at thirteen. I've got another. I'm going to call safety. At 12, and that is Cam Taylor-Britt from Nebraska, who I am a big fan of because I like him more as a strong safety than a cornerback. You know, somebody who is incredibly physical, even as a cornerback, and when you take that to the strong safety position um, at his compact size, I think he's somebody who could not only take over that strong safety position quickly – but also kick Brandon Jones down to that third safety spot too. And then Marcus Jones is 11 for me for reasons we've talked about. And then at 10, Dylan Parham from Memphis, 6'3", 3'12", a little bit undersized, but somebody who is an incredible athlete at that size. He can play center. He can play guard. And at 6'3", 3'10", with a sub uh, four nine five. 40-time, fantastic athlete, too. And he's really technically sound. And if you want to see how good he can be, watch against the players that are coming into the NFL, and that's Logan Hall from from Houston, who is going to be probably a second-round pick. And he dominated Logan Hall. And that's where he earned my respect. So their number uh, 10, Dylan Parham, is my guy.
0: Oh, you're up to number 10. Okay. I got I got three to run off here because I got 12 and 11 to, to go through. Do it. Um, you mentioned Kirby Joseph. I've got him here at 12. Uh, number 11, Nick Cross, who I know we spent a lot of time talking about on our defensive back show um, out of Maryland, comes in there. And then I get to Mr. Khalil Shakir at number 10 to come in and help this offense from that third or fourth wide receiver spot at times.
1: I wish I would have put Shakir higher when I was uh, making this list because he is physical. <laughs> he brings an attitude. Yeah, I like everything about him. Um, then I, when I go higher, uh, Cameron Thomas there at number nine from uh, San Diego State and somebody who has over, had over 20 tackles for loss last year and fits this scheme. I constantly go back and forth between should he do you want to draft him with your first pick at 102, or do you want to sign Melvin Ingram? I'm not sure the right answer for that. Uh, And then Channing Tindall at number eight, Nick Cross at number seven. And then I start to get into my top six players.
0: All right, we'll do number six, and then we'll 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 get to our top five at the same time. How's that? I'll, I'll run through four real quick here.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Luke Gedicke from Western Michigan, um, played opposite Bernard Raymond at, uh, at at Western Michigan, and everything I see about him is hands and feet. Six five three twelve. He is outstanding at at the right tackle spot for holding off edge rushers and in and in the running game too. But he projects as somebody that that can also get inside to the center spot as well as play at right guard. So when you look at the Dolphins roster right now, left tackle Teron Armstead and left guard Connor Williams are taken care of. But in somewhere along the right side Robert Hunt is going to be there and is going to be a really good player. But when you start looking at players that could play multiple positions and did so at a high level in college, Luke Ettege is that guy. And he's moving up draft boards. And I I think he's going to be a fantastic pick for somebody in the third or fourth round. So
0: while I went with a physical receiver at number 10, I went with a speedster, an athletic player, somebody that's quick in and out of his cuts and, and runs good routes, has great vision out there. Uh, despite his diminutive frame, tends to win more jump balls than he really should. And that is somebody I spent a great deal of time talking about on our wide receiver show, and that is Wandale Robinson. Uh, Cat, I think you've already talked about my number nine guy here, which is Tariq Woolen, um, to come in in that secondary at corner, somebody that we both liked a lot when we were talking about uh, the secondary. A guy I've talked up to no end already at number seven in Chig Okonkwo. Somebody that I think could really come in and be multiple and and, and do very well from from the multiple spots, whether it's tight end, fullback, H-back, and move around that offense and give Mike McDaniel movable pieces in that backfield as well as at, at, at end um, to split out all of those things with his four five two time. After that, I've got my... Th- Final edge rusher, I will tell you that much. Josh Paschal out of Kentucky. I think you, you already brought him up on yours or no? Yep. Okay.
1: So you yeah, already talked
0: him up, and now we are at our top five.
1: So okay. to recap, you've got Robinson at 10. Mm-hmm. Got Tariq woolen at 9. You got yep. Chick at 8. And then 7 and 6, you got who?
0: Um, actually, I apologize. It's Wandale at, at 9. Tariq Woolen at 8. I got got mistracked here. Tariq Woolen at 8, Chig at 7, and Paschal at at, at 6. That was good. All right, so... Shakir was number 10 on my list.
1: That was good. All right, so... Yeah. My top five... Five is going to be Troy Anderson from uh, Montana State. And... I can't get over the 4 timing for him at the middle linebacker position and his head-hunting ability to go after the football. Um, and it's one thing when you're talking about somebody, okay, as this risk to be a first- or a second-round pick, but when you're talking about pick 102, which is what we're talking about, you're, you're talking about somebody who is going to be a flyer. Okay, And if you're going to do that somebody who was offensive player of the year at Montana State and then defensive player of the year makes a lot of sense and has the measurables and then went to senior bowl week and was a phenomenal linebacker in even in pass coverage, which is the most important thing for me. Number four is going to be Zach Tom from Wake Forest. And he is a center slash offensive tackle. And if you want to have evidence of that he's somebody at the center spot who ran a sub five flat at 6'4, 304 pounds was a four-year starter and then also kicked out to right tackle this past year and shut down jermaine johnson when they played together um it, jermaine johnson is going to be a top 10 to top 15 pick as we talked about earlier today and when he went to the east west shrine game he kicked inside to to a guard out of necessity and was fantastic there too. He has check-marked every box. At number three, Sean Ryan, Um, what sold me on him was him shutting down Kayvon Thibodeau when he played the offensive tackle spot and then tested out at that same level athletically that demonstrated that. 6'5", 320-pound short arms, but I wouldn't mind seeing him start out at right tackle. If he fails there, he kicks inside a right guard and you kick Robert Hunt out there because he's that athletic. He's that nasty. He's that mean. Number two is Tariq Willen. 6'4", 210, ran in the four twos. And when he went to senior bowl week as well, was a fantastic player. And if there's even a chance that he can do what Byron Jones is doing in a couple of years, then I think that's worth it. And then if not, you kick him inside to safety because he's a good tackler for being a former wide receiver. Number one for me is Abraham Lucas from Washington and a player I'd be very willing to trade up for because, you know, he tested out really well athletically. But in addition to that, he had almost 2,200 pass protection snaps. And if you're talking about a plug-and-play type of guy with the Dolphins having the 102nd pick in the NFL draft, then Abraham Lucas makes the most sense. And he's somebody that even though I see so many players projected so closely in the third or fourth round, somebody I'd be willing to make a small trade-up for. So Lucas would be my, my number one guy. I know I've run on for quite a while there, Paul, but you keep going.
0: All right. Number five, I have got Cole Strange, the, the offensive lineman from Chattanooga, somebody you talked about a great deal, but he could come in, kick Robert Hunt out the right tackle, take over that right guard spot if that's the direction the Dolphins wanted to go. Uh, number four, somebody you've talked about a little bit, Zach Tom from Wake Forest. He, he is a guy that is moving up the boards here. Thank God the draft's not a few weeks away, or he might be too high for us to reach for. Um. At number three, I've got somebody I don't believe was on your list at all. Uh, one of my favorite players in this draft, every time I put on footage of him, despite again being another diminutive, speedy wide receiver, he's probably one of the best yard after catch guys in this draft and somebody that impressed like crazy uh, in, in the bowl games there. And that's Calvin Austin, the third uh, out of Memphis. 5'8, 170. Makes sense. But he's going to be somebody that comes on the field as that third or fourth wide receiver. And your top corners are going to be facing off against Jalen Waddell. They're going to be facing off against Tyreek Hill. They're going to be keeping an eye on Cedric Wilson. They're going to be keeping an eye on Mike Gesicki. And in that five wide set, you know, or they're going to be looking at James Cook or Raheem Mostert coming out of the backfield, you know, and you're gonna have one of the faster guys in the draft, one of the shiftier guys in the draft who gets up to acceleration quickly in a mismatch situation, either against your sixth or seventh defensive back or a linebacker potentially. And that's where a guy that that like Calvin Austin can really, really have a good time out there. And that that's it's a player I love for, for the Dolphins here. Um, a guy I've been touting for you know, as he moves up and down a lot of boards out there at number two is James Cook, the running back slash wide receiver out of Georgia, somebody that's a lot of fun and excels at both positions. It it's not that he's a jack of, of all, it's or jack of all, master of none. He's a jack of all, master of both. And he's just as good of a wide receiver as he is a running back. And I think he is criminally low on the running back list for a lot of folks and and he's somebody that you know just he's a byproduct of being on a team that's ridiculously talented so he, he while he did well it was such a team effort to do well that a he didn't get the carries he probably would have which means he doesn't have as much wear on the tires and b you know he was so talented that they were still trying to find extra ways to get him on the field which is where you saw him play some wide receiver even for that
1: um uh, the the Major thing with him, with uh, Cook, is slippery. That's the adjective mm-hmm. I use with him the most. And, and it's the same with uh, Calvin Austin. And if you look at what the Dolphins have done here in the offseason, I mean, getting Tyree Kill and getting, you know, having Jalen Waddle, you know, it's all about spreading the field. And mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of the same concept where you could – flood the field with these type of t- types of players. Or if a player like Jerome Baker goes down, you, you plug in a player like Brian Asamoa or, or like Troy Anderson at the linebacker spot. And they take over for that speed, you know, yeah. speed, speed, speed is the name of the game. So I'm sorry to cut you off from your number one guy.
0: No, you gave me the perfect segue to my number one, one, one shot here. And I think it's somebody like I did in my, mo- my dolphins mock draft that, given the fact that he's been rising and rising and rising up draft boards, Miami may have to trade up to go after this guy. Uh, And that's Troy Anderson out of Montana. It's the, there's so much to love with him. He's still learning the position. That's the craziest part. Plays one year and he's a defensive player of the year. (laughs) It's just like, really? Like, and, and and he settled a little at safety before he settled at linebacker. Um, You know, was, was what all, was it quarterback or running back where he was offensive player of the year
1: uh, or running back.
0: Okay. Quarterback. He was, he was one of the top of the list for that, that conference as well. Like, and you watch this guy play and there's so much to love about his game. And he's somebody that you can slot in, in a lot of different ways. If your defensive looks don't allow him to be out there. But at the end of the day, Josh Boyer's defense is about speed. And I love what you pointed out about Mike McDaniel's offense, because in all honesty, Mike McDaniel's offense is about creating lanes and having somebody fast enough and with the vision to get through those lanes, creating deception to create those lanes. That's what a Mike McDaniel offense is.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And we've talked about a lot here tonight here. I mean, we've gone through our top 25, our first round. I mean... What I'm wondering, too, is what, who are the players that we are a lot higher on and a lot lower on than a lot of other people as far as the just the NFL draft in general? I, and I'll start first. That I mean, I, I think it's actually embarrassing that these other quarterbacks are compared to Malik Willis because – and I'm not talking about this for the Dolphins, but I mean it, it you're talking about somebody that is is a four four forty type of athlete. And we it, people have revisionist history with quarterbacks. You know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, these guys that could do special things at, at the quarterback position. And you're gonna pass on him for a Kenny Pickett or a you know, Matt Corral or a Sam Howell, I, I think we're going to look back and laugh on that. Um, also in the first round, um Charles Cross. It, it's not just – the, the reason I I mocked him to number five for the Giants is because there's been a lot of talk about that, but he's also somebody who's 6'5", 307, and I think has been screwed a lot by Andre Dillard who was a former Mike Leach guy where Charles Cross is way, 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 way better. Um, so that, that's my, those are my thoughts in the first round. As far as players that, that I think are a little bit better.
0: As far as players, I think are a little bit better. I mean, I, I, I can't talk about this without talking about Jordan Davis. It's while he's a, a player that's starting to creep into a lot of top tens. I 100% feel that he is a top five talent in this draft. I think he is going to be a destroyer of all things along that defensive front where he ends up if he gets the right defensive coordinator. If he's, if he's told to park his ass in the middle of the defensive line and just occupy blockers, you're not maximizing the talent level that that man has. And so it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up and how he gets utilized for this upcoming season. As far as players I'm down on, any quarterback, and that includes Malik Willis. Malik Willis is in a class all of his own in this draft. But he's still going to go much higher than he should just because he's a quarterback. And and that's a shame for me at at this point. Hopefully Carolina is able to trade down or something along those lines to to make it make sense for me. But Malik Willis is a top 10 pick. I am
1: out on at this point. As far as where the dolphins are picking in that third, fourth round area there are, I'm going to go with three players that I would be irate with them picking. And I mean, probably a few more of them, but that are realistic. Uh, Daniel Falele Ugh. who is just massive. I mean, it, there is no reason for him to be six eight three ninety. There's no reason. I mean, and there, it, some of the comparisons I've seen are to Orlando Brown, but Orlando Brown didn't get Baker Mayfield sacked one time in Oklahoma.
0: I compared him to Orlando, Florida.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, PFF was dogged for having Flele as their 157th player on their board. I would put him lower than that, to be quite honest. Um, Nick Petit-Friere is one player I'm going to disagree with you on. I think he has the physical skills. Mm-hmm but I see him as kind of that Austin Jackson, right tackle, low floor, low ceiling type of dude. And every time I saw him play against decent competition, especially against Michigan, he got whooped and that's, but he, he does have the physical skills, but I don't like drafting a player in the third or fourth round saying, well, if we change everything about his game, then he might be okay.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, a couple of guys that I'm high on for the dolphins here, um, that I think, you know, it, it's it's our chat alone will tell you not everybody is. Our James Cook's one that I'm high on. I, I've seen a few people coming around recently, but again, not everybody's there. Troy Anderson's somebody that I'm very high on because I would trade up to go after the man. Uh, and, and beyond that, I'd have to say Chigaconquo, somebody I've been talking about throughout the draft process. I know he moved up some boards, but still isn't where I I would consider him, especially for the Dolphins. And I'll throw in Wandale Robinson to boot because I know a lot of people get scared off by that five eight frame.
1: He's got short arms too. And Love You it. know I hate that. But anyway,
0: he's a short dude. He's going to have short arms.
1: <laughs> this um, has been our longest show by far. I'm actually uh, going l- to. The- I'm
0: going to lump something real quick because I'm I'm down on a lot of tight ends. So I'm just going to basically say most of the tight ends after Jelani Woods. I'm down on. There's a handful. You can listen to our our tight end show to get the full run. Nobody of cares
1: it. about tight ends so, though. I mean I care they
0: so. they they've I should have put a fullback in my top twenty I, I I'm I'm
1: pissed they haven't signed they haven't cut uh Seethan Carter and Adam Shaheen already to save like four million dollars. Like I'd be fine mean, with that. Yeah, I, I'd be fine with it too. That's the point. I mean But I've said that all along too, just like you have.
0: So yeah
1: Anyway, which, which tight ends are you down on?
0: Oh, God, I'm not even going to dive into that whole list. I mean, basically, most of the guys after Jelani Woods, I, I, I ran down a list of about 15 of them the other day that I couldn't stand or didn't think were the right fit, or they're just not big enough because there's so many that are built like a twig now and, and make Mike Gasicki look like an offensive tackle in this
1: draft. So, Oh, you, you've sold me on Chick. There there's no doubt about that because if if you're gonna take somebody I, I would take him in the fourth round, but I mean if 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 he fell to the seventh round or you know the dolphins ended up with a pick picking in the fifth or sixth, I, I would certainly do that. And he's projected somewhere between that fourth and seventh round area. So
0: well, I still remember that first message I sent you about Chick when I basically said, Look, watch this guy's tape. And I know you're going to hate this, but but watch him not just as a tight end, but as an H back slash fullback for this offense with Mike McDaniel. And, and I remember
1: the skepticism, but then I remember you watched him and went, "Oh, okay, absolutely, absolutely." He he had 12 catches against Penn State in a big game, and they were impressive catches. And he lined up all over the place, and not only like at you know in gimmick roles in a blowout game, but at fullback and a tight end. So yeah, you bet. I'm, I'm sold on him as somebody that in that day three area, if the dolphins had more picks, I would be in for Mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Um, I want the dolphins when it comes down to it, to either do what you did or do what I did. Yeah. Where they are trading up for one player or I guess I'm, yeah, trading up for one player, I'm going to say, or trading down and getting several picks in that fourth or fifth round area, and that can make the roster. And out of those two or three fourth or fifth round picks, you're going to get a couple that are that are going to make your roster long term and yep. make an impact. That that's where I'm at on this because. That's all we're be we, look, we we're we're gonna be doing the show for the next 20, 25 years. Okay. And we are probably not gonna have as barren of a draft class as we are this year. And that's why I appreciate everybody hanging on on with us over the last two or three months.
0: Dude, I, I appreciate everybody hanging on with us tonight through probably our longest show other than actual draft coverage, because we are almost at the two hour mark, which Takes me back to the, uh, what do you call it, days of uh, Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, that's been a while, hasn't it? With the uh,
1: godfather, uh, Brian Miller, absolutely. I mean, And that, uh,
0: the, the British lady, every time we got him, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> I miss her. You loved her. <laughs> you need that voice on your uh, Google Maps. Anyway, we're digressing.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us here tonight. And this is going to be our final draft show. Join us halfway through the first round of the NFL draft. I'm Brian Kat, NFL Paulus Fanatic, underscore pick on Twitter. Uh, Join us also on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the Fan sided Network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side.